Section twenty four of Neighbourhood A Year's Life in and About an English Village by Tickner Edwards. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twelve December Part two From the village store I moved on presently to the little sweetstuff shop and stood a while looking in through the holly garlanded door susan sat in a wilderness of scalloped silver paper presiding over a lucky tub there was no getting near her to-night for the mob of children that surrounded her and overflowed into the street but she bawled me an affectionate christmas greeting and passed me by half a dozen intervening hands in exchange for a thrown halfpenny a packet from the lucky dip which proved to contain a cherubim modelled out of pink scented soap with this symbolic testimony to our old-time friendship bulging my pocket i went rambling on again and in course of time arrived at the three thatchers inn a tilt-cart was just driving away from the door a numerous company was gathered outside speeding the vehicle on its way with laugh and jest you've not fared so bad roared old daniel dray as he spied me in the darkness though ye didn't come to the drawin ye've got a topside and a hand of pig meat stallard here he's got one of the turkeys and young george artlet the t'other a good club it ha been considerin and now the lot of us ha got to bide here till dan'l gets home from stavisham with the tack this annual prize-drawing and division of the christmas club funds with the subsequent wait in the cosy inn parlour while the things were fetched from the town was a great event in windlecombe on this one night in the year we cultivated as a fine art the pleasure of anticipation and each did his best to make the time go with mirth and neighbourly goodwill the occasion was also in some degree a kind of benefit for the landlord to which all might contribute as a duty if by any chance the inclination lacked looking round the crowded room i could think of hardly one of the well-known faces that was missing the old ferryman was there how he got there was a mystery but there he was in the corner of the settle whence he had been absent so long even george artlett had stayed to await the arrival of his turkey and now sat at my side quaffing lemonade his face as grave and thoughtful as ever but his eyes twinkling with a jollity i had never seen in them before young daniel knew that no one would desire to curtail this part of the prize-drawing ceremony and there was little fear of his wheels being heard in the sloppy street for a good two hours to come we stretched out our legs to the cheery blaze and felt that for once 
we had succeeded in wing-clipping old father time beef club drawin again dan'l ay beef club drawin again tom in a break in the general clamour the two veterans exchanged the thought slowly and pensively looking down their long pipe stems into the fire and no one gone dan'l ne'er a wan tom thank god how quirker do hold hisself to be sure said old tom clemmer after a pause and none doubted who he meant ah and how a do brisk along still another year o him boy tis another blessin here's to un we're all our love and duty it was a silent toast but drunk deep george artlett's glass was lighter than any when he set it down but tain't been allers so old clemmer went on ruminatively how many drawings hae ye seen dan'l boy and man three score belike and i bent far ahent ye and many's the time as summons money ha laid on the table we're only widder or poor box to claim it and he poor soul quiet in the litten yard up there ay tis a lucky drawin with nane but livin hands to draw daniel dray took up the prize list and scanned it curiously his white head thrown back his spectacles straddling the extreme tip of his nose and what said he will a single man unmarried do with a whole girt turkey bird and him with never a wife tis wicked waste neighbours him and the parrot they'll had naught but turkey meat in the house from now to lady time stallwood's beady black eyes disappeared in a wide smile i knowed a man once he said out in utah state in marrocky twas got a brace of ostriches at christmas drawin and when it come to carvin at dinner time the poor feller he got no more than half a bite for hisself because he stopped suddenly recollecting george artlett's lustrating presence ah uh, he were married i tell ye and never a word of a lie what'll i do with it dan'l the old ferryman leant from his corner eagerly staring at the wall as though he saw there the picture that rose in his mind what'll i do with it jest think on it nobbit hisself in a quiet kitchen a christmas mornin his boots on and nain a ratin for spanelin about click clack from the roastin jack and tick tack from the clock and a good cuss now and again from the old parrot but never a word of women's wrath ah life tis all jest a girt beef club drawin some honest draws peace and quiet and turkey birds and some draws his lips closed on his pipe stem with a snap a commiserate shake of the head went round the company and here went on old daniel 
still conning the prize list here be jack farley wi bare money and four ounces o tobacco him as don't smoke and has sixteen in family lord jack how that there do says to follow ye in life jack farley sat in the draughtiest seat by the door his invariable modest choice of station no one had ever seen him without a smile on his emaciated sun-blackened face and now he was smiling more determinedly than ever i dunno dan'l he expostulated gently twere a real double six when her and me come together all they years ago and the chillen they be good throws every one and that there new little un dan'l northern o the deuce about him i tell ye but them as puts to sea dan'l they must look for rough weather time and again he squared himself and gazed about him as though his weekly carter wage of fourteen shillings were as many pounds then he beat his mug upon the table jovially and now said he i'll sing ye the mistletoe bell it was the beginning of the real entertainment of the evening vocal music in the three thatchers at ordinary times was accounted a rather disreputable thing a mere tap-room vulgarism by the habitual parlour company but on certain rare nights in the year of which this was one every man present was expected to sing one by one now in jack farley's wake followed the rest of the assembly and every song had a chorus that shook the very roof-beams of the house no man thought of looking at the clock until in the midst of a doleful melody from the landlord old tom clemmer suddenly sprang to his one available foot tis the cart he cried and made for the door in the general stampede after him i heard captain stallward's grumbling voice at bent right no hell for people as can't use tobacco to draw un away from them as can i means to head that there four ounces dan'l and jack farley the old swab i must make out as best a can with the turkey bird yes i can see it said the reverend plainer than the sun in a midday sky with a taper at the end of a long cane i had just ignited the last of the candles and the great christmas tree stood up before us clad from its bowl to its highest twig in a shimmering garment of light we too were alone in the schoolroom but beyond the closed door we knew was mr weaverley and beyond him again a sea of expectant faces filling the wide porch and stretching out half across the street under the still frost-bound night every child that was not whispering excitedly to its neighbour was crooning to itself with irrepressible joy and the sound came to us through the solid timber 
like the sound of a beehive just going to swarm now open the door said the reverend getting into his corner and if you miss a single thing i'll haunt you when i am gone to the end of your miserable life i turned the key in the lock and retreated hastily the door flung open i saw the black form of mr weaverley flicker aside and expected the whole room to be invaded in a minute by an avalanche of scrambling vociferating mites but it did not happen so not one has come in yet said i over the reverend's shoulder they are just peering in at the door i can see thirty faces perhaps with thirty mouths and twice as many eyes opened wide but never a smile among the lot how quiet they keep but now trembling fingers are coming round the doorposts and a boot or two has got beyond the threshold the reluctant vanguard is being pressed forward by those behind they are creeping in now at last the crowd has divided and they are edging up the room right and left keeping their shoulders against the walls and all the time every wide-open eye remains fixed upon the tree in awestruck delight you hear that low whispering note they are beginning to find their voices again and the girls are at last venturing to let go one another's hands they are all in now i think at least the room could hardly hold another and just as a failing mill-dam begins to ooze then to trickle and spurt and finally in a moment gives way before the pressing tide so the silence now broke down under the flood of child voices shouts and hurrahs shrill peals of laughter a hubbub of delighted commentary made the rafters vibrate above us and the window-glass tremble in its quarries before the din had so far moderated that i could get my tongue to work again in the old vicar's service weaverley and his satellites were forging ahead with the first joyful business of the night it all comes back to me now as i sit alone and late by my workroom fire clearer perhaps than when i was in the vortex of it all with the happy voices ringing about me and the toy drums and trumpets the mouth-organs and the whistle-pipes each going to swell the already deafening chorus the moment it was cut from the tree and put into some eager uplifted hand i can see the great glittering pyramid of the tree slowly giving up its treasures until it bears nothing but the queen doll waving her star-tipped wand up among the flags and paper chains and holly garlands of the ceiling i see weaverley poised on the top of the rickety ladder gingerly dislodging her from her perch while two overdressed and overperfumed ladies hold the ladder firm below 
and gaze up at him with fond and anxious eyes now at last i see the christmas tree deserted forgotten while the tables at the end of the room are unloading themselves of their cakes and oranges and the score of other items appertaining to the feast this is a silent time save for the exploding crackers and occasional shrieks of fearsome delight but it is over at last the games begin and with them reawakens all the old turmoil in redoubled fury though each of us has eaten more than is credible in any but a downland-bred child this in no way impairs our agility we hunt the slipper we sing ourselves hoarse with green gravel we play blind man's buff and the reverend being caught is allowed to go through the part of blind man at his own jovial suggestion without the handkerchief over his eyes and now two things come back to me more significant than all but for this busy quarter of an hour when he is staggering to and fro clutching at pinafores and shock heads of hair the reverend has been rather a silent and deliberate figure in the midst of all the madcap business more detached and quiet than i have known him at other christmas gaieties bygone he has hovered about on the fringe of the merry-making happy-faced as ever yet with a certain slowness a languor that i have never marked in him before this is the one thing the other is a random glance i take over my shoulder at the christmas tree when the fun and frolic are at their highest pathetically forlorn and deserted it looks with bits of string clinging here and there to its drooping green fronds a single shining trinket hanging forgotten on one of its lower branches and half its glory already quenched as i look at it every moment sees another candle gutter out and die a few minutes more i think and it will be nothing but a sombre and solemn fir-tree again ready to be carted down and set once more amidst the silent glooms of the wood somehow in spite of myself the two things the two thoughts blend themselves indivisibly together i am glad now that while through the long evening i poured into the reverend's patient ear much idle chatter and many feather-brained conceits i said no word to him about the dying christmas tree while i have been sitting here turning over these thoughts my own candles have burned low the wood fire has sunk to a few waning embers it must be growing late how late i do not guess until i turn to look at the clock almost midnight another minute or two and then christmas morning perhaps as the night is so clear and still i shall be able to hear the hour chime in far-off stavisham i go to the window 
throw back the casement against the rustling ivy and look forth there is the glimmer of a lantern over by the seven sisters on the green and a sound of people talking quietly together i think i can distinguish george artlett's deep tones and his brother tom's the singing ploughman's higher clearer speech and an admonitory word or two that might be weaverly's the clock is striking now before its last droning note dies on the frosty air the darkness beneath me fills with a living joyous music hark the herald angels sing glory to the new-born king peace on earth and mercy mild god and sinners reconciled joyful all ye nations rise join the triumph of the skies with the angelic hosts proclaim christ is born in bethlehem hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king end of section 24 end of neighbourhood a year's life in and about an english village by tickner edwards